Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. Hey, thanks for joining us today as we discuss difficult conversations that come up in the life of a therapist. No matter where you work, we are all sometimes tasked with having some difficult conversations where we find ourselves in a situation where we've got to have a difficult conversation that we're not that excited about having, maybe. Who likes to have a difficult conversation? Not me. Um, anyway, but sometimes that just happens in the regular course of a work life. Regardless of your level of experience, they always can be harder. Sometimes they get a little easier as time goes on because you do more of them, but still at the end of the day, it's not a fun conversation to have. So we're going to talk about common difficult conversations that a therapist have and then how to have a positive outcome as a result of some of those you know so maybe to ease your maybe if you're avoiding having them or to ease your some of your anxiety is related to that but then how to make them into a positive situation you know so going in with maybe thinking oh this is gonna be difficult but end up with a very positive outcome so that's what we're going to talk about today some common conversations that happen so the first thing I'm thinking about Kirstie as we're talking about this is if a parent comes in who's always late or there's an attendance problem, right? Because you can't get better if you're not here. We say that all the time. Like you've got to attend for things to get better. Everybody's got to show up. But if you've got somebody that's chronically late or somebody who maybe isn't attending well, then you sometimes have to have that conversation. And that thing gets best if it's handled by the therapist because it's really a clinical discussion. It is. I'm, our administrative staff is very supportive because mm-hmm. they're ultimately the one managing the schedule and maintaining the schedule. So it's not like the first time a parent hears about it is going to be from the therapist anyway. Probably They've not. probably already heard it a couple of times or had a few reminder calls made in addition to different processes that we already have in place, like reminder texts and things like that. So for the therapist to step in at that point, it's not going to be a surprise. No, it shouldn't be. You want to be careful with this. The conversation I'm talking about for the later or the poor attendance is somebody who's chronically late or their attendance is chronically bad. Now, everybody is late on occasion, you know? I mean, sometimes you're just late and you've got to give people a little grace. But I'm talking about somebody who comes in every single week, like 15, 20 minutes into the session, and then you only end up like in a speech session with 15 minutes or a PT or OT session, 30 minutes or, you know, 45, depending on how long your session is. If you're expecting an hour long session or expected a 45 minute session for a PT or OT, or maybe just a 30 minute session, I don't know. But if you're 15, 20 minutes late, that's a significant amount of time to be late all the time, every single week. So before we jump right into a discussion of, hey, you're chronically late, (laughs) I think we have to be a little bit more subtle because again, we're here to help the child. We're here to help the family. And so before we jump to having that difficult conversation, I think we have to do a little bit of exploration on our part and not have judgment on the parent that they're just not bought into therapy or they just don't want to get here. But Have we really worked with them? Have we been a little bit more subtle to say, you know, I noticed the past couple of weeks, because you've already looked into the schedule, not just I think, because you're confusing this with another patient, but you know that this child has been late over the past three sessions. So what changed? Because they were coming in and now they're late. So did something change? Or is this the original appointment time they had? So I think really digging into it before you just make an assumption of they're late and having the conversation 
conversation and starting to explore with the parent because this is a team effort. This is not an us, them. This is not a, I do this part, you do this part. It's a team effort to help that child and benefit that child. And if we're ultimately here for the child, then we got to stop at the judgment piece. Well, and I think some overarching principles we can talk about as we get into some of these examples and stuff are one, you got to always come from an empathetic, got to take the long walk around. I mean, like, you know, if you're thinking about golf, I always say this within it comes to empathy. But if, if you got two golfers playing golf and or one golf or whatever, anyway, even if you're not a golfer, it doesn't really matter But for this example. But if you're putting, you know, you want to look at the putt from various angles, meaning you want to look at it from standing behind the ball, standing in front of the ball, going all the way around at the other side of the hole so you can see like how to line up your shot. Empathy to me is, it's a good example to me of empathy or a good analogy actually of empathy because you want to think about from the other person's perspective. So you want to be empathetic in your discussion. So that's one of the things in terms of having a difficult conversation with parents for a positive outcome. You want to be empathetic and take their viewpoint. But at the same time, you've got to think about, okay, what do I need and what do I want to get out of this? You know, so you got to think of what you need and what you want to get out of it. But what you're really doing is thinking of what does this child need? Because again, it's not about us, right? It's about what this child needs. So you want to think, okay, what does this child need and how can I make sure I can communicate that as clearly as possible. So you want to kind of come in with your goals for the child that you agreed upon with the parent in the evaluation, sort of clear. You want to be empathetic. So you want to have some clarity. You want to have some empathy. And then you want to get some common ground, some relational kind of skills like, okay, so how can you and I kind of meet and see the same viewpoint? Like, for example, I wouldn't come in if I had a mother who was, or a father, let me pick on fathers for a minute, you know, let's, you know, whatever. <laughs> let's give the moms a break for just a minute. If I had a dad who had limited English proficiency, that I'm not going to try to go in this long explanation in English if he doesn't really understand much English, right? I'm going to get an interpreter in there. So interpreter means I've gotten to some common ground, meaning like, hey, let me get somebody who can speak the language because I can't. That could be like a common ground situation, right? So I want to be empathetic. I want to have sort of my goals and what I really need my outcome to be pretty clear. And then I want to find some common ground. I mean, those are some basic sort of overreaching principles, right? And again, when I go back to the goals, it's not about my goals. It's about what I need for this child. And I've already agreed upon this, what we want for the child with the parent, because that already happened in the avow. You know, at the end of the evaluation, I said, hey, these are the areas of strength. These are the areas of weakness. This is what I'd like to do. What do you think? And then I heard the parent and, you know, we've done tons of avowal podcasts. So there's all in there. So go back and listen to one of those bad boys and you can hear it. Do you have anything else to add? Because like, if you think about those three things, is there something else I missed in that you think? Well, knowing that the child is, like you said, for a speech session, if they're showing up 15 minutes in and you're like, I really need him here at the start of the session because number one, I need to see him for 30 minutes. We're going to have to transition from the waiting room to the back. And the parent says to you, that's my problem. I can't get him from the car in here. And you're like, oh, well, we can fix this. You know, so now we need some different ideas and things. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it's a matter of digging deeper. Yes, exactly. So I think that's part of asking questions. This kind of goes back to that empathy, some connection, relational connectedness, and then also knowing what the goals are that you want to have addressed. So let's give a couple more examples. So we've got the late conversation. That can also happen in a school. So for example, if you're a speech therapist, physical or occupational therapist working in a school, I mean, talking about a tight schedule, you got a tight schedule in outpatient, but you got a super tight schedule in the schools. I mean, there's like no room 
That bell's ringing same I mean, time every is, day. There is zero <laughs> chance. I mean, you're like, no, it's 9.05. I nope, know can't pull from specials. That's right. No, <laughs> it is 9.05. We've got to do speech right now. Not at 9.10, 9.05. You just missed it. He's walking to lunch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, they start lunch at 9.30 nowadays. Anyway, so it has to happen, right? And so you have the same problem from a teacher who might be like, well, you know, he's got his math homework and he's got to finish his social studies or whatever it was. Anyway, so you could have the same kind of problem there, too. It's the same type of discussion. So it's not just parents and not just outpatient it can happen in the schools too well because if you're the therapist it becomes therapist versus teacher instead Mm -hmm. of hey we're on the same team right so that goes back to the overarching principles like goals what do you want from this what do we all agree to in the IEP meeting I mean you were there they said we need a speech twice a week this is on the IEP (laughs) and we went through the schedule and this was the only time I could pull this kid is at 905 and here we go. You reminded them, hey, look, we're on the same team here. Mm-hmm. This relational skills, you and me, we're in this together. We both got an oar in the boat. And if you come into that teacher and you're like, but this is my time and right. that's not going to end well. No. They're going to start locking their door. You're not going to be able to get in. Oh, We're not going to let that speech therapist in there or physical therapist in there. They're going to start locking the door and be like, nobody's home. Out to the lunch sign on the front door. <laughs> I think, too, you got to remember, I always tell therapists that are working in the schools or daycares or developmental day centers, anything like that, you got to remember, you get to see kids one-on-one. Those teachers have how many kids in the classroom? Oh they have to shift gears. We have to shift gears, yes, all day long. Mm-hmm. But... They have to do it all day long on the fly in front of this many children in the classroom. So I think you got to give them a little bit of grace, too, and know that their morning might not have gone how it was supposed to go. And somebody might have spilled something and threw off their entire schedule for that morning. So I think if you just walk in with a little bit more understanding... Mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot further. Yes. If you have some of that understanding, I agree. It can make things go better, smoother. Because if you start attacking somebody right yeah. from the get-go, yeah. the guard already goes up, and you're just not going to make any headway with it. And Hayden, I know you're this way. I'm this way. I'm not somebody that's going to go and be like, hey, can you help me with this? But if somebody says, what about this? Or can I offer this to you? I'm like, oh, You know, that's so nice. So if somebody came to me, if I was running late and somebody Mm -hmm. sees that I'm struggling and they're noticing, hey, every week and they say to me, do you just want to switch to the two o'clock? We had that open up. I'd be like, oh my God, yes, I didn't want to ask. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like I was doing everything I could to make it happen and I'm obviously just not making it happen. But somebody's saying, hey, we got something that just opened up 30 minutes later. You want that one instead? I'd be like, yeah. Yep, I can do that. That's going to make my whole day better. (laughs) Yep, yep. So just sometimes understanding, maybe some people don't want to ask for help, or maybe somebody doesn't want to ask for help for themselves, you know? So that's another good point with that. When you look at scheduling, sometimes people think, oh gosh, when it comes to like this late discussion and having this difficult discussion with parents or with teachers or with whoever, grandparents, whoever's bringing the child in, the schedule is never like a fixed thing in time ever. We always say it's fluid. People are behind the schedule. So just because it was that way last Wednesday doesn't mean it has to be that way next next Wednesday or the following Wednesday or the next following Wednesday, you know, they always can change. I think that's something important to keep in mind as you're having that sort of late or attendance type of discussion with the family. Another thing is to also have your data and facts straight before you have that discussion. You certainly don't want to have a late or an attendance discussion with a family if they've only been late like twice. And if they've got like three kids under the age of three and trying to get in, I mean, they're probably
probably going to be late here and there a little bit, you know, but you want to have that late discussion if it's a chronically late problem or the attendance is chronically an attendance problem so that you can't make progress. Basically, it's competing progress. So what we've covered so far, we've covered a couple of the arching principles when having a difficult discussion with parents you should keep in mind. Then we've also talked about one topic so far. So let's talk about another difficult conversation to have with parents, which could be carryover. Carryover is something that's really important, meaning like the carryover from the goals and the therapy session to the home. That's how the child really makes progress. We have done a podcast recently on carryover. You can go back and listen to that one too. I feel like I'm plugging old podcast, Kirsty, but we've covered a lot of topics. We've been doing this since 2014. So there's a lot of topics, but carryover is important, right? But sometimes if you find that the family is not able to do the carryover or the home programs you're giving them, then sometimes that could be a difficult conversation. Well, and while you're saying that, I think it's really important. And we teach our therapists to set up from the get-go, from that initial evaluation. If you set the stage and the foundation that this is a team effort and there is going to be an expectation of what is going to be done at home versus what's going to be done in clinic, you're now setting the stage. So if you set it up from the get-go, you have a lot more buy-in. You've basically set this family up for what to expect is to come. But now let's say you didn't do that. Right. Maybe maybe you missed the part. It happens. Um, It happens. Because we're all learning and growing and developing. And you know what? Even if you learned it all and know it all, sometimes you miss it. You forgot. You're like, you know what? Oopsie, that didn't happen. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Because not every session goes beautifully well and stuff happens. So now you've got to kind of backstep a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, when, you know, you're following up, you're trying to hold the parent accountable for what they did at home for the home exercise program, and they're not doing it. I think you have to look at yourself as the therapist. And we talk about this in our home exercise program podcast as well, because that's so vital to what we do. It's not what they come into therapy for. It's what they're going home with every day. And we talk about keeping it simple and things like that. So really digging deeper with that and asking more questions and getting to the root of why It didn't get done because you find out a lot through that process and asking those questions and then trying to embed in daily life. So I think that's a lot of it. You have to ask the questions. You have to figure out in the course of the day, how's it going to work in their schedule? And you have to do the follow-up. And that's on you as the therapist, not on the family. No, that is your job. And I think what you're saying, because too, again, is how can I help you? You're asking that. You don't, you don't want to go in it too judgmental, like, oh, they didn't do this again. You know, if you come into the conversation with, oh, in your head, you're thinking, oh, they didn't do this again, probably that conversation is not going to go well. No. So instead, it's more of, okay, they're not following this home program. So, okay, how can I help? I how can make I it help? simpler? How can I make it simpler? Or, you know, maybe they don't really understand. Or maybe I should get them to model it in a way that's not talking down to them. Maybe they're like, when you say heel cord stretches, I mean, it sounds pretty simple, especially if you're a PT or if you've been around it, you're like, heel cord stretches, how simple is that? But if you don't even know, like somebody who's not dealing with heel cords, you're like, heel cord stretches? Where's the, the heel? heel? What, the heel? I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> maybe it is aunt or maybe it is grandmama who's like a little bit older. And they're like, heel cord, honey, what you talking about? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know I put my Southern version on it, but they may have like, I don't know what you're talking about with that. So just because it's a simple thing for us doesn't mean it's necessarily a simple thing. Because if somebody comes in here, Kirstie, and starts talking to us about compounding interest and whatever, I'm going to follow the conversation for a little while. But at some point, I'm going to be like, um, I don't, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> you know. So there's plenty of topics in this world that somebody can come in and be like, this is easy stuff. And I'm thinking, 
I don't know anything. About I don't this. know what you're talking about right mm-hmm. now. The shoe can easily be on the other foot. Right. It kind of goes that empathy. How can I help you? Knowing what your goals are and establish some kind of relational, you know, connectedness. I'm not saying being best friends. I'm just saying connectedness. Right. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.